Hello, my fellow patriots. Welcome to the Two Schmo Show, God's favorite podcast. My name is the Patriot Orion, and I'm a patriot. Can we say that? What? That it's God's favorite podcast. As long as it's God with a little G, we're not actually invoking the name. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. That is fair. That's that's a legal legal uh, blue pole. Yes. And I am communist Cairol. <laughs> now, communist Cairol, I don't know about you, but I think there's something wrong with your head. And what is that? Um, I think you don't value apple pie as much as I do. I have no response. I don't know where I'm going with this. I don't know where. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, communist Chiral, that was a good opener. Yeah. Do, do Americans even understand communism? No, okay. they absolutely don't. Of course. I mean, it, it, I mean, I don't want to. For the vast majority. I have a problem where I try to, like, qualify every statement I make because I don't want to, like, give someone wrong information. Same. You know? But for I, the vast, vast majority of Americans don't understand how, like, actual politics work at all. Oh, yeah. Let alone how to define certain types of politics. I think there's this meme I have on my phone. It's uh, Lord Farquaad from Shrek. And he's pointing mm. at uh, the cameras like, the American thinks he understands politics. <laughs> yeah. Well, the problem is that like, the, the, the American political system has gotten so far skewed to the right that nothing even comes close to lining up with the rest of the world thinks. Well, yeah, that's kind of think Reagan. Yeah. Well, isn't that like Overton window theory? Uh, I don't know what that is, but I can Google it. Like, the idea is that when you're so used to living in a certain political climate, your idea of what's central, what's left, and what's right is skewed towards wherever your country sits politically. It sounds like it. Yeah. It sounds like it's something that can move, though. Yeah, it is something that can move. Like, with yeah. generations and whatnot. Like, yep. I dare say our idea of leftism is a little different than our uh, grandparents' idea of leftism. Oh, yeah. Same Completely. with our right. I, like, it, I... <laughs> What's I funny? found a really good uh, political compass meme. <laughs> what is it? I'll, I'm going to see if I can share this with you real quick, and then I'll go through it. But it's pretty good. <laughs> So it has for the uh, top left, the authoritative left, it just says commies. <laughs> for the uh, libertarian right, bottom right, it says criminal. For the libertarian left, bottom left is just screeching. And then the top right is just another smaller political compass. That is perfect. It's amazing. That's that's really just the best. <laughs> mm. Honestly, political compass memes are so good. They're like the history memes of politics. Yeah. There's a lot of really, really good ones. The more you understand them, the more like you get out of them. Mm -hmm. That's funny. Um, but yeah, I was trying to like kind of pull up a political compass actually, because historically 
the U.S. political system, at least, has been pretty left to right on the compass, and the authoritarian versus libertarian hasn't moved much. Yeah. And I feel like we've switched a lot recently towards not moving left and right so much because conservatives aren't really economically conservative anymore. And, you know, liberals have never been economically conservative. That's, That's the opposite of what they are. But it's been a shift on the vertical axis for authoritarian versus not authoritarian. I mean, have you seen what happened in Portland? Yeah, exactly. I can't wait to get to that it's, today. Oh, my God. The Gestapo, ladies and gentlemen, they're the coming. Actual, yeah, it's messed up. And then we have the stuff going on in Russia, which is kind of crazy. Have you heard anything about their protests? I did not. I've been at work all week. Holy shit. All right, we'll get to that, too. It's nuts. But, you know, spoiler alert, like, literally tens of thousands of people protesting against the Kremlin, like, openly, in public. Oh, my gosh. kind of crazy. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I see it. I like how I put in Russian protests, and there's, like, this giant, like, thing of, which years are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> But uh, we'll get to that. Of course, it's pretty pretty crazy over there, though. So where where are we where are we starting today? This is a a spicy week. This you know this is the exact opposite of uh, last week. Oh, I wanted to start off Ooh. with an apology for last week because okay. I, in my beach-addled mind, forgot when we were uh, talking about jazz and stuff. I forgot to simp for Platina Jazz. Platina Jazz. They are. A YouTube channel primarily, but it is a group of Dutch jazz musicians who produce a series of what they call anime standards, where they take anime themes and uh, OSTs and rearrange them in a full jazz orchestration. And it is the best thing ever. Full stop. I see it. I'm looking at it right now. It is absolutely amazing they did fly me to the moon and already a jazz standard so much yeah for some of them like that it's just their take on it their version of it yeah um one of their my opinion one of their best ones they did a cover of i can't even find it it's off their latest one here um they did a cover of zen zen zents from kimi no noa and it is phenomenal because the original piece from that movie is in Japanese. Yeah. So not only is it in English, so you can understand what the hell they're saying, but it's also jazz, so it's even better. Oh, did I tell you I did a jazz arrangement of Chopin's Nocturne Opus 9 movement too? I don't think so. Yeah, that was a that was a big one. That was something I was working on for months. I would I would be interested to hear that. That sounds very interesting. I will I'll give you. I'll send you a link, and I'll send you a yeah. link to the original so you can see what changed. Yes. Yes. But yeah, Platina Jazz, very very nice. I have, can't recommend them enough. Their Anime Standards Volume Six is their latest one, and it's like front to back, just really really great. I think with jazz, and this is coming from a guy who studied jazz for eight years, mind you. Mm-hmm. Um, there's like this market for beginners jazz. I would call it where it's very digestible jazz, 
where it's not like the John yes. Coltrane's changing keys every two bars. Yes. Um, yeah. I think that stuff like this is very important for the um, progress mm-hmm. of jazz as a whole. It's like sort of like a gateway drug. It gets you hooked enough that you want to learn more. Oh, yeah, dude. I can show you some slamming jazz. Oh, man. Remember, um, we were playing Magic the Gathering one night at our apartment, and yeah. I put on that uh, Herbie Hancock uh, Watermelon Man from the Headhunters album, and it was like the water bottle, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I will never forget your reaction to that, because that was funny. <laughs> Too much jazz. <laughs> but yeah, I just wanted to mention that real quick, since I neglected to last week. Shame. Big sad. Big sad. Kim get an F in the chat. <laughs> From our whole one audience member, that's me. <laughs> so, if... Where are we going to start here? Oh, uh, you sent me a message earlier this week. I think we can start with this. Because uh- <laughs> I was starting to poke around on this some. Um, and... It's there's some comparisons here that haven't really come up until recently with some uh, Twitter stuff, and I think it's hilarious. Um, you're telling me that Parlay got hacked. Yes. So I was poking around on this, and I found this. I, this is a website. It's called Fortune, apparently, and I guess this is like the people who do Fortune 500. Um. And it was made, the, the company is made by the same guy who made Time Magazine, which is just like, what? What the hell? How have I not heard of this before? But like their website looks like conspiracy theory clickbait kind of stuff. Oh, God. It's not. It's a real website. It's just their like most popular stuff is it's weird. But I was reading through a piece that they had here about Parlay. Apparently, they did some interview with their CEO at some point. And he was talking about how as soon as people started to shift away from Twitter and from Facebook and over to Parlay, they started to, you know, have like problems with moderating it themselves for <laughs> particularly people posting literal pictures of, as they call it, fecal matter. That's one of the things that they don't let you do. You can't post literal pictures of shit. <laughs> and they were getting so many reports for people just violating this like basic stuff, like don't post you actually taking a crap don't post pornography that they apparently have three people at the time that were moderating the whole site and they had a queue that was over seven thousand entries long that they were trying to get through oh my gosh and it's just like like politics aside just seeing how massively overwhelmed these people are by things that are completely outside of their control is pretty hilarious they literally fell victim to actual shit posting. Yeah, they actually did. <laughs> the thing that I was seeing, though, was that I don't know if it was Twitter or the verification people. I don't actually have any idea how that works. But a bunch of people on Twitter, like actual huge high level celebrities like Barack Obama and a bunch of others, got their Twitter accounts hacked. And someone was posting on their Twitter accounts to send bitcoin to you know send bitcoin to us and we'll you know match your donation two times and send it to blm or you know whatever it was it was something like that yes the accounts were hacked people send thousands of dollars in bitcoin to these people who managed to just get away with it and the question is you know how did they do that you know 
Barack Obama is not going to have you know two-factor authentication turned off on his account or something like that. This is kind of huge. These are verified accounts. You're not supposed to be able to do it with a verified account. But they did it somehow. <laughs> and about three weeks ago, uh, Parlay had a similar thing where one of their major pundits on their platform, Katie Hopkins' account was hacked, and somebody posted on the account asking them to send what was it uh asking for donations to help her fight against twitter and in about the same amount of time compared to you know like hours this stuff was going on with barack obama and a bunch of other twitter accounts being hacked and thousands of dollars was raised in this case only about 500 dollars was raised <laughs> it's just like exact same thing pretty much the exact same viewer base and it's so much smaller i feel like that's just some kind of social experiment at that point it's weird how gullible are certain people based off platforms the other thing though was with the uh, the parlay one the money actually ended up ironically going to blm so interesting i remember there was this dude on uh twitter freaking out because elon musk posted that thing and they're like elon knows everything about bitcoin oh my gosh we need to get this on this right now because elon musk this actual millionaire who knows everything about bitcoin is giving me money mm -hmm. don't simp elon musk yeah i i used to understand it why people sort of idolized him so much but fall from grace he has gone so far down the whole last couple of years that i just don't get it anymore how do you do fellow kids it is i like, elon remember when i sent a tesla into space <laughs> yeah you like david bowie the thing with this kid really sort of was that was the nail in the coffin for me that's just like are you actually mentally okay? That's when I start to get worried. When someone does something that crazy and people are just fine with it. It's like, what? What are you talking about? This should not be just brushed aside. Really, no. <laughs> they, they named their child after an aircraft. What are you talking about? And wasn't there like this great like YouTube hunt? I Not YouTube, internet hunt. To find out what the real name was because everybody thought it was a cryptogram. I have no idea. That wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. Like, they, they like legitimately tried finding a cryptogram around it, and they managed to point out Kyle was the name in a cryptogram sense. <laughs> it's just, I don't know. This whole thing doesn't make sense. Fame does weird things to people. Yeah. I mean, when you look at it, though, he's always been eccentric to a kind of malicious extent yeah like with the thing the the guy that he accused of being a pedophile who was helping with the the uh kids trapped in some cave in taiwan you remember that i do not remember that but go on so this was three years ago let me see if i can find this like three years ago there was a group of like school kids who were on a tourist sort of thing in this cave and i want to say taiwan diver i don't know i should get it um 
This was summer of 2018. Twelve boys and their football coach were lost in a subterranean maze in the Tom Long Caves in Thailand, not Taiwan, sorry. And there's a huge team of cave divers who are trying to get to them before the caves were completely flooded by a monsoon rain. So this was like a literal race against time where they're trying to find, like, one, find where these people are so they can get them out, and then two, actually get them out. And there was more than one person, uh, more than one of these divers who actually lost their lives trying to get these people out because, you know, it's like, this is pretty serious. Of course. And one of these people who was helping out was some international diver um, who was helping out and for whatever reason, it was something along the lines of Elon Musk said, I can build, like, a submarine or something that can do this just as easily. Just call me. And this guy responded with, thanks, but no thanks. To which Elon Musk responded by calling the guy a pedophile. That's kind of an egotist. Yeah, it was completely unfounded. He ended up getting sued over it. Um, it didn't go anywhere because it's an international thing. And, you know, you know defamation sucks, but what are you going to do about it? You can, but it was um, just like, like ever, ever since from then on, it's just really been weirder and weirder. Yeah. The one thing I don't get is Elon is volunteering to build the submarine and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And time's of the essence, and a submarine takes time. Yeah. Massive time. Unless he's got right. one just magnificently in his pool that he can aircraft hair. Aircraft out of there. What are you going to do? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And the, the bigger thing wasn't, like, even if he did have one in his pool that he could just send over there, that wasn't the problem they were having. The problem wasn't, like, you know, maneuvering around down there. It was, like, actually finding them. And, yeah. Yeah. It was just, it was, it was a huge mess. Giant mess. For me, the, the final straw, though, was Cybertruck. I can't trust anyone who can design a vehicle that ugly. It looks like his computer broke down halfway through rendering it. <laughs> I just don't understand it. Like, from a fundamental, like, standpoint. Who is this for? Who needs... I mean, I, I guess it's it's for people who want to look... I, I just... I don't get it. From, like, an economics thing, it doesn't make sense. From a practicality thing, it doesn't make sense. I, I, doesn't Elon believe in simulation theory? I have no idea. Probably. I feel like he does, and that's probably why he's just giving the simulation more time to render. But, but like, the people who are buying it, though, it's, like, sold yeah. out. Every time it goes on sale, it sells out. Probably because it's just fashion at this point. I mean, probably. But I guess that, that was one of the things. I did hear someone talk about that, how the reason that most or at least not not maybe not most but a lot of really expensive, you know, fashion is so ugly now is because it makes it really hard for uh normal people to copy it, you know. Yeah. No one wants to spend 20 bucks on a Title 9 ugly as shit sweater, but if it's Gucci and it's $1000, you know they're going to buy it. Gucci, my dude. Oh, I don't know why I thought of Gucci when I this when i heard gucci but kanye's uh rally last night how about that i didn't hear about this what happened oh uh, i think twitter's still blowing up about it one second let me pull it up real quick he said some very choice words about harriet tubman uh come on yeah 
Kanye Ooh, West campaign rally. Yeah. Oh my God. He criticized Harriet Tubman saying she never actually freed the slaves. <sighs> and he also broke down while talking about abortion at the, his first rally at South Carolina. This is so weird. It is. The rapper appeared shortly after 5 p.m. at the event center rally with the numbers 2020 in his hair. (laughs) I do not take this seriously at all. This is brand awareness. I don't get society at this point. There's so much stupid stuff out there right now that even someone like me, I can't tell the difference between sarcasm and genuine stupidity anymore. We live in the sarcas I know, sorry, the sardonic age. Like there's so much stuff that like is sarcasm that is just like there's so many actually genuinely stupid people out there that I just don't know. Yeah. I saw uh, someone on Twitter the other day was posting pictures of a new mask that they got that was like fishnet. Like it has holes in it. It's not a mask at that point. (laughs) Why would you buy a, who makes a fishnet mask? I don't know. I, I feel like it has to be satire, you know, like there's no way anyone's that stupid. But yeah, I think people are just that stupid. Why do you make a fishnet? (laughs) Who? Who? I want to know who made that. Who said, man, masks need more fashion. Better make fishnet. (laughs) I'm dead inside. There's there's another one. Let me see if I can find it. Um, Uh... But yeah, there, there's been like there's been a couple of things like that where I just oh here we go. Okay, so this is I'm almost certain this is meant to be satirical. I I I don't know though because like I've seen people who actually think this, so I don't know. Go on. So there's this person called Journalist Katie who tweeted out, and it kind of blew up a little bit, but she tweeted out, friendly reminder to you gamers out there, and there's a picture link that says, Dear gamers, you shouldn't be purchasing playing video games. The chemical that your brain produces when you play video games is the same chemical that your brain produces when you commit murder, adrenaline. Gaming is literally condoning violence by programming you to be addicted to the high you get from it. And, eventually, you'll end up committing a crime just to be able to feel that high again. Similarly, video games like GTA normalize murder and theft, making the player numb and morally corrupt. And to finish it off, the picture that they had this typed up in still has, like, the cursor line from where they were typing. Oh my gosh. And then, in a response to it, they put, Should gamers be put on a watch list similar to that of terrorists slash criminals? And the options are, yes, and... And no, parentheses, I'm a violent person. It's like, this has to be satire. But I've seen people this dumb. So I don't know anymore. 
I didn't know, man. I just wanted to play some puzzle games where I match some blocks together, man. Here's another good one that she has. To the angry hate mob in the comments, please re-educate yourselves on your bias language. Thanks to Trent Stevenson for this infographic. Hashtag say no to racism. And it says, dear internet users, stop saying pog champ. The term pog champ or poggers is used by hate groups to attack minorities. This creates a toxic environment for minorities on streaming platforms and on internet forums. It's like, what? What? And the just because says, I mean, any, like, okay, this is why I'm almost certain that this is like satire. On the bottom, it says, "Any further questions? Contact." Hello, you you you, you cutting out? No way, it's not at that point. Who the hell actually wants someone to call them in 2020? I'm sorry, you just kind of cut out there, and that was just like, oh, yeah, yeah. So uh, there's a phone number on the bottom of the. uh picture oh my god asking for people to reach out and i feel like that alone is enough where i'm pretty sure this is fake because who would want to actually have someone call them in 2020 did i ever tell you about the weird phone number i put in the middle of one of my songs once uh no i don't think so so there's a song on my band camp it's called kiss look it up halfway mm. through the song i write say a phone number in the lyrics it's the phone number to the national hall and oats hotline where you can hear any Hall & Oates song on your phone whenever you want. <laughs> I have heard of that, that that phone line before. Yes, I love it. Whenever you're bored and you want to... What I don't know, though, is is it is it a, a random song that plays? No, you can dial in any, like a number, and it will play one. It will give you like an assortment nice. from nine. Very nice. It's classy. It's very classy. So, yeah, look that up and listen to Kiss. It's a good song. I'm proud of it. Yeah. Do you ever... Okay, this is kind of something I've seen on my Twitter feed a couple times from the more scholarly stuff I follow, but... Do you ever find it weird how memes kind of influence cultural groups? Like, we lo like people say we lost Pepe because a whole bunch of right-winged people with crazy opinions decided to start using him for everything. Um, I'm of the opinion that the, you know, the, the right wing groups that started using it weren't actual right wing groups. I mean, it's pretty well known at this point that it was like actually just trolls yeah. who made those claims and that stupid right wing people thinking that it was legitimate just, just decided to go with it. Um, but I feel like if you let them take it, then they've just won at that point. Yeah. You know? I gotcha. Anyone who thinks about it for more than half of a second, like, there's one that I've seen where it's uh, the, the okay hand sign gesture is apparently racist because racists use the okay sign, and there's some stupid reason behind why it's racist. And that was made by originally by people just like making a meme and trolling people but then actual white supremacists have started to do it but i'm, I'm not going to stop using the okay sign like i was born in 1997 and i grew up with like filthy frank and idubs there's no way in hell i'm going to not use it because it's just a reflex at this point oh my gosh um for me 
does that mean we can't breathe? Because I've noticed a startling trend among racists that they all breathe. Exactly. It's just so much stupid crap. You know, if you let, if you just give up and let a shitty, toxic subculture take over anything, they're gonna take it over. That's their whole thing. They are trying to take any scrap of power that they can. You're practically donating it to them at this point. Yeah. So, what you're saying is I shouldn't breathe. Sorry, you cut out for a bit there? Uh, You're saying I shouldn't breathe because of this. Yes. Stop breathing, sheep. Okay, fine. (laughs) One last one for all my bigotry. (laughs) One last breath, boys. (laughs) Damn you, (laughs) Kyrel. You caught me off guard. That was good. That was good. Uh, That was beautiful. I'm happy now. Damn you. Mm -hmm. Did you know you can buy a plot of land on the sun? From who? That's a good question. From whom? Ownthesun.com Rated certified cool by Dude Perfect. Ooh, there's so much you can buy here. You can buy. Am I there? Are you still there? Yeah. I can't. But no, I haven't heard <laughs> about on the sun. Well, here's a little link to you if you want to consider some sun real estate. Sun real estate. You can buy a 10 by 10 acre. A 2020 <laughs> acre. Wait, or a 100 by 100 acre. Oh, it's cheap. Yeah, isn't it? That's that's pretty good land. Summer sale. <laughs> I like it. This is good. This is good content. There is no greater constant in our existence than the sun above us. It is the greatest star there is. From ancient civilizations to today's beach lovers, humanity has been worshipping the sun. Owning a piece of the sun gives everyone the unique opportunity to be part of something big. Whether you are purchasing for yourself, a friend, loved one, or grad, add a little sunshine to their lives with this memento, which will be remembered for years to come. Ownthesun.com You think we got enough money, we could just buy the sun, all of it? That's what I'm wondering. Like, how... Alright, surface area. Yeah, surface area of the sun. Oh god, this is not going wrong. How much would this cost? Jeez. (laughs) I don't want relative to Earth. That's completely useless. (laughs) People also ask, what is the surface area of the moon? (laughs) (laughs) surface area of the planets and the sun sun that's a lot all right how do they do this oh my gosh that's a big number what yeah it's really big acre to acre square square foot no square mile I want to be here all day counting. Oh, jeez, that's a lot. Uh, all right, 6.088. 6.088. 
one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three. That's a lot of numbers. That's and I so got three in there somehow. Make sure I did this right. One, two, three. Oh, no, I did that wrong. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. You can delete the rest. Many, many. All right. So copy and paste into calculator. Then we divide by 100, divide by 100 times. 4496 it would cost you that's a lot of money <laughs> 17 trillion 377 billion 587 sorry sorry 587 million 200,000 dollars to buy the entirety of the sun you know that's a pretty good deal I, though i was saying when you think about it though that's not bad that's really not like, bad bezos can buy the sun yeah Amazon wants to buy the sun. <laughs> oh, God. Disney could buy the sun. Oh, God. Have you ever seen um, Goofy Wants Your Money? I have not. I'm sorry. Goofy Wants His Money? I don't think so. It is basically a guy um, harassing his roommate with a Goofy puppet in like a really good Goofy accent. Saying, like, where's my money, Damien? If I don't get my money, I'm going to get real goofy. It is the <laughs> stupidest thing I've ever seen, and I love it. Yeah? Yeah. My girlfriend showed it to me, and it's beautiful. Um, They did one that was like a joke advertisement for Disney+. Plus, and Goofy kept saying, Disney wants to buy the sun. Oh, shit. Apparently, they're si uh, selling life-size battle robots in Japan now. That, that that sounds like a very Japan thing. Doesn't it? But where's my Zoid? Oh, shit. It's got its own Amazon page and everything. Oh, we should probably get to real news. Um, Where do you want to start? Portland or Russia? We'll start with Russia, and then like we'll start with actual communism, and then move to budget dollar store communism. Oh, great! So, uh, in Russia, about a week and a half ago, one of the governors of I don't even know where this is. Uh, pretty major political figure in Russia was arrested by the Kremlin for the murder of some people mm -hmm. neat uh but this whole thing is like here we go a uh, kabarov kabarovsky's kabarovsk the governor of kabarovsk sergey fergal who ran for the opposition party against whoever putin's party had up on the ballot it's so like, this guy was never supposed to win the election, you know? He's part of the opposition party, right? Of course. The opposition never wins in Russia, but this guy somehow managed to win, and because of that, he's been sort of endeared uh, to the people, because, you know, he's not with the Kremlin. He's from the opposition. And he's arrested, and there's been tens of thousands of people out protesting in the streets against it, asking for his release for days now. Um, 
one of the larger numbers. The number is somewhere between ten and 50,000 people is what news reports have been saying. Um, this is a pretty... It's not urban, or it's not rural, but it's very far away from main central Russia, which is one of the reasons that it's probably been going on for as long as it has. But yeah, I mean, I don't think... I've at least never seen protests in Russia that are this large and have gone like they've been allowed to proceed they're allowed to proceed it's not so they they haven't stopped yet so yeah russia is such a bizarre place it is it really is anybody who knows the history of russia will know this is not their first protest and this is not going to be their last protest no and it makes you wonder how they have such an authoritarian government when they protest every day. Mm-hmm. It's so weird. Yeah, it's it's very bizarre. What what's your favorite Russian dictator? I don't. I actually don't know. Really, I would. I, I don't know enough about any one of them to really say. The only one I, I really know about is Putin, for the most part. To be fair, Putin makes a big splash compared to the rest. He does. Yeah. He's one of the only ones to get like to be like a president and still manage to be dictator. <laughs> oh, my gosh. For people that don't know, you should be very afraid of Vladimir Putin because he is very smart. Yes, he is. Like... No, no, we're not even talking about, like, Trump levels of intelligence. We're talking about, like, I am definitely smarter than you, intelligent. No, he, he is, like, legitimately intelligent and in a dangerous way. He was, he's, like, former KGB or something. Yes, he is. Yeah. I mean, he knows exactly what he's doing. Oh, yeah. Like... And he was able to get around term limits. Somehow. How does he... <laughs> they, they literally amended the Constitution so he could. Yeah. Yep. One of the uh, crazy, like, it's like, at first it sounds crazy, and you think about it, and it's like, holy shit, he could actually do that. Yeah. Is that uh, Russia was in the process of annexing Belarus, I'm pretty sure it was. And one of the ideas that I heard was that Russia's entire interest in annexing Belarus was so that they could join together as a new country that Putin could then be president of. Because it would no longer be the president of Russia, it would be Russia 2, Belarus, Boogaloo. Oh my god. And that, like, they were actually, like, that was a legitimate consideration. And the fact that that's, like, actually kind of plausible is the level of dictatorial power that they're at. Yeah. Putin is just... And the man's also, like, a linguistic genius, but he still keeps translators around so he has more time to think. Right. That's creepy. So, he knows what you're saying. He's just taking his time thinking about how he's going to talk to you. Yep. Like, damn, dude. Just political genius. Yeah. So now we have uh, Portland dollar store commies. <laughs> like, where do we even start with this one? Um, oh, my God. One moment, please. Sorry. You can tell the story. Just I just gonna, got a phone call. I'm going to Google Portland and see what comes up. Because I'm curious. So Portland has been 
one of the major hotspots for the BLM anti-racism protests, along with a lot of the West Coast in general. You know, California is, of course, particularly liberal. Seattle and uh, Portland, Oregon, both also fall into that sort of, that same vein of political level. So it's not too surprising to see that these major protests are going on here. Um, but these protests have been all across the U.S. What's pulling attention towards the Portland protests has been the federal response of a number of officers to what's been happening. And as I understand it, I'm trying to read through some more stuff here to make sure I have this straight. But as I've heard it, during a number of these protests, federal troops, whatever that means, I don't know exactly what... Uh, uh unidentified federal troops yeah i guess unidentified they, they they apparently they're legitimate to some degree i guess but i i don't know what part of the federal government they're actually a part of um they're not army or else they wouldn't be federal troops they would be the army that'd be pretty easily identifiable so it has to be some specific like national guard type of thing uh but from what I was hearing, they have apparently been, like, pulling people off the streets and kidnapping them and beating them and then turning them loose again, I guess. Something like that is what I've been hearing. Yeah, I've heard that it's just been, like, kidnappings, and I don't know what happened to the people after the kidnappings. So just the idea that yeah. they just put them in a van, beat the crap out of them, and just drop them off somewhere is terrifying. Yes. <sighs> Absolutely crazy to me to think we can let that happen in a country that values freedom that we just allow secret government officials to go on our streets and beat protesters how do we how how yeah so they belong to a new federal force created last month in an executive order signed by Trump, which tasks them to protect historic monuments, memorials, statues, and federal facilities. The personnel are drawn from... Oh, holy shit. So no wonder. All right. The personnel are drawn from a range of teams, including the Customs and Border Protection Agency and the U.S. Marshal Service. The Federal Protection Service, part of the Homeland Security, in charge with protecting government buildings, also has officers in Portland and has detained protesters. So this is like the levels of dystopian garbage that we are at now. Like, you can be guaranteed the kinds of people, you know, let, let, let's quote Trump himself here. They're not sending their best. They're going to be pulling people from, like, the Customs and Border Patrol. Like, these people are, there's already some pretty clearly bad people among those. And they're going to be pulling the worst of them, the ones who are, have the least problems following any order they're given, regardless of what it is, regardless of the context. You can be guaranteed that whoever they put into these positions are just going to do whatever they're told. If they're told to go arrest random people, beat the shit out of them, and turn them loose, they're going to do that. They're going to follow that order. I mean, if there's a nice juicy promotion in it for them, because let's face it, mm -hmm. you know, big opportunity to be moving into a new district of federal, you know, I, I don't know the words for it, but who says no to like something like that? If you want a career in the feds. Mm -hmm. One of the 
But what historical monuments are in Portland? Any that they want to say is a historic monument. Like that's so wrong. Like, like, think about it. Go to Battle Creek, Grand Rapids, Portage, like literally any city that's more than 40 years old, and you can find just random historic plaques because people like to commemorate things. People want to give money to commemorate something that happened somewhere and get the kickback of putting their own name or their name of their parent or the name of whoever. That's what people do. You know, there's historic, quote-unquote, historic monuments literally everywhere. Yeah. It's so vague and meaningless. One of the, I don't even know what the right word for it, assumptions, I'll call it an assumption that I heard as these stories were starting, is that the move to have more federal enforcement in these protests would in somehow be a way to uh, weed out the people who are willing to, you know, listen to any order they're given, who don't care that they're arresting and beating their own American countrymen. But they've just sidestepped that all together and gone straight for whatever this garbage is. Does it ever bother you that our government... No, sorry, not the government. That's a, a little unfair. But um, does it ever bother you that law enforcement's basically taken over by vigilantes? Deeply, yes, it yes. does. The Apparently, the state of Oregon has filed a lawsuit against the federal agencies that were involved for unlawfully detaining protesters. You know, good. Yeah. But... This is terrible. That is just straight up unconstitutional at its point. That's like bending mm -hmm. the Constitution to your whim. It is. It actually is. That's like, I cannot get over it. I've been talking to people about it, and most people don't want to hear about it, because let's, let's face it, depressing news. But it's also something you kind of need to talk about. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. Go out you and know, vote, there's... ladies and gentlemen. Please go out and vote. That's all I ask. Here we go. So, in, like, seemingly even crazier news, Don't you... uh, one of the articles that I was seeing on the Fortune website, Yeah. and the reason that I was like, this must be some BS, like, this isn't a real website. There's no way this is a real website. One of their most popular stories is titled, Hitman Kills Son of Judge Overseeing Deutsche Bank Epstein Trial. Oh my god. And no, that's exactly what's happened. I've now found a BBC article that corroborates it. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. So apparently a gunman, quote unquote, a gunman, they call my hitman in this piece, um, but someone was dressed as a FedEx delivery driver and murdered the son of Judge Esther Salas on her property and apparently wounded her husband, injured her husband um, at their home in New Jersey. And Salas was recently, she's the federal judge in North Brunswick. And she was recently assigned to oversee a lawsuit brought by investors against Deutsche Bank over its involvement in the handling of financial matters related to Jeffrey Epstein. Oh, my gosh. The FBI is investigating it. Holy shit. In the lawsuit against Deutsche Bank, investors claim they lost money as a result of the financial giant having to pay regulators $150 million for compliance failures related to Epstein. 
nice. Just 10 out of 10. Yeah. Some have speculated on Twitter that the attack may not be related to Judge Salas' involvement in the Epstein case, but rather to her husband's work as a criminal defense attorney. Okay. Either way. Either way. Yeah. This is messed up. Beyond messed up. Oh my gosh. Did you hear about the... Sorry. Sorry, yeah. Did you hear about the... Um, supposed chauffeur of Epstein's posting on 4chan? No. Supposedly the F- Epstein's uh, chauffeur was on 4chan posting stories about his time employed. And um, what's the word I'm looking for? He said he was turning over all information he had to the authorities. And mm. he was going to commit suicide afterwards. And apparently um, that's the same day that Maxwell got... Um, arrested um by the police like eight hours after the post hmm. so kind of a weird thing i am inclined not to believe it i mean it's 4chan so it's it, it's 4chan yeah i was reading an interesting is this what i'm looking for Yes. So I was reading an interesting piece about uh, QAnon. Okay. Because apparently the head of, I want to say the New York police union was in an interview with someone and there was a mug in the background in his office that was something related to QAnon. And that led to a bunch of people, you know, like asking, like, like most people don't know this. And this was being posted on like actual mainstream media. So there's a lot of people who are like, hey, what's this? And it is absolutely insane. Oh, you can buy this? Oh, it's out of stock. But one of the things that somebody posted was a uh, what, what's called a QAnon map. And it is exactly as crazy as you probably may or may not think it is. But it is literally every conspiracy theory you can think of i'm uploading it to one of the text channels here but in short QAnon is basically the oh my god every conspiracy theory ever committed is linked and there's a shadow government and lizard people and like literally everything and there's this map that apparently connects everything but it's entirely (laughs) like this is like about as far as conspiracy theory as you can get it's bad and I I it puts me at a loss for words thinking that people can actually Who wrote this? Believe that I have no idea. But it's out of stock right now, but apparently you can buy this as a poster on Amazon. I'd buy it. I would. I would buy this. And there's a uh um like a map that one of the professors at all of that had in one of the chem labs of the uh all of the biochemical pathways in the human body like the entire human body and how every metabolic step works and the thing's huge it's like 10 foot by 8 foot and it's the tiniest font you can think of but this rivals it legitimately and that's saying something that's so weird but like you can just like like scan through this and it's just like 
wait, this and this, and these are correlated? How are you... It's it's very, very stupid. You know, the, like the human to brain... To an excessive just, degree. The human brain loves to find patterns. And this is just yeah. like an exercise in how much the human brain wants to find patterns in almost anything. I mean, it... it I don't know. If you know anyone who in any way believes any QAnon garbage like help them to help themselves to get help because this kind of stuff is just mentally toxic to a dangerous degree yeah we had a guy in the meat department at my grocery store who was super into conspiracies it was very hard to have an actual conversation with him you can't yeah there's uh somebody actually did an analysis on some conspiracy theory and as a result of it, they're able to put together an equation that determines first how many people would be involved in that conspiracy. And, you know, that tells you how many people would have to cover it up, who would have to keep silent. Yeah. And then from that number, you can figure out how long it would take for it to come out that it was not true. And one of the examples they gave was for the, the moon landing is faked, you know, pretty classic conspiracy theory. If in order for that to be a conspiracy, over 410,000 people would have had to have been involved in total and would have to have been keeping quiet. And if it was an actual conspiracy, it would have unraveled in less than four days. <laughs> like, that's the scale it is. Yeah. And like that, that's the thing with all of these sorts of conspiracy theories is that they are, what was the term? Self-sealing. It's a good term for it. In that if you try to refute them, they can just come back and say, oh, you're just part of the conspiracy or some BS like that. Of course. And that's the problem with these kinds of people is when they legitimately believe these kinds of theories, you can't have a, a conversation with them at all. They're already gone at that point. You have to, in some way, get them to uh, come to the conclusions that they should already have come to themselves. And you can't do it by... You know, you want to just say, you stupid, stupid person, why are you so stupid? But you can't, and it's really hard not to, but that's like, you can't do that. You have to, like, guide them into having them come to the right answer themselves. You know, one time when I was working at Free Beer and Hot Wings, back in, like, 2016, it was during the presidential election, this woman calls us, and she says, hi, why aren't you guys talking about Jill Stein on your radio program when you discuss politics? Because we were still talking about who would become president. It was, um, you know, Bern, uh, not Bern. I think Bernie was still in the race. Hillary, Trump, Ted Cruz, all the, you know, the, the classic 2016 lineup. Mm -hmm. And um, this woman just asked, can you guys talk about Jill Stein? I'm like, yeah, um, we need a topic to talk about because, you know, obviously she doesn't have as much tra traction. Do you want to go on and talk about why you think she's a good candidate? And she's like, no, I just want to know why there's a media blackout. Why are you media elites doing this? And I'm like, <laughs> I'm offering you a platform on a nationally syndicated radio show to talk about your candidate. Do you want it? And she's like, stops for a second and she's like, you're part of the media blackout and hangs up on me. Oh my God. Ah, it's a classic story. I love that story. So yes, I am part of the media elite. Yes. Yes. 
Everybody should be afraid of what I know. For example, Ted Turner. Yes. Pretty decent dude. I really got nothing else. One of the things I've been reading here is about, I've been reading a lot lately because you can't avoid it about COVID vaccines. Oh, I just saw one one today. One of the dumbest headlines I've seen so far is from actually the BBC of all places. I've seen some dumb headlines, but this says Oxford virus vaccine found to train immune system. And it's just like, well, yeah, it's a vaccine. If it works, that's what it does. I saw that earlier this morning. That's kind of the article I was referencing. It's such a dumb title. And like these people are doing actual, legitimate, important work. Yeah. But it's such a dumb title for it. What do you... I feel like people really skipped high school science classes. Oh, yeah, entirely. Yeah, because this is stuff you learn in high school. Mm-hmm. I do think, though, that there's a, there is a problem with... Uh, there's a lot of people who have already completed their education to some extent, or they've just checked out of actually learning more. Yeah. And because of that, they haven't actually learned this kind of stuff and they really should have learned it yeah i can get that and it gets to the point now where people are just either too stubborn or too old or just don't care to learn about something like this and then they start having fits when they can't control a self-checkout at a grocery store yeah what the hell is this all right i'm gonna send you a screen grab here oh fun this is a uh, uh, screen snip. Screen snip. So this is apparently an Indian police officer of some kind. He's not wearing his mask right, which is kind of dumb. But that's not the thing that catches your eye. Um, <laughs> um. Best I can tell. <laughs> And the caption on this is useless. It just says coronavirus lockdown restrictions are being enforced by the police in India. That's all it says. And it just leaves it at that. I think this is an officer who has taken his motorcycle helmet and he has stuck like, like, you know, those, uh, like clown type party hats. Yeah. With the cones and little puff balls at the top. Yeah. It looks like he stuck a bunch of ones of those, but they're all red and black to make his helmet look like the coronavirus. That's not how know, a virus image. looks, though. It, it looks, it just looks dumb. But this is, <laughs> this is what the BBC has chosen for their headline story about India police and COVID enforcement. Reason 72, I don't care for India. It's so messed up. It's so weird. <laughs> India has been doing a lot of really good stuff lately. Uh, they actually they kicked out like we we talked about this. They banned the use of like twenty or thirty apps that were uh, owned by Chinese companies for security reasons. It's like nice job, India, good job. Yeah, way to look but out for yourself. They have like the whole caste system that has now been outlawed, but people still believe it and try to act on it. So it's like. That's its whole thing. But then on the same side, apparently there was a case recently where 
a bunch of people in the lowest caste were assaulted or something. Oh, jeez. And the courts, like, actually sided with those people who were from the lower caste. They, like, actually enforced these good laws. But there's still all these terrible, terrible people. And India is such a big place that there's, like, it, it is deep with problems. Yeah. I respect the hell out of them for trying to tackle them, but there's so much still that needs to be done. That caste system is pretty much every reason I hate India. I don't really hate and India, I'm, hate it, but it's, like, not my place I ever want to go. Right. And I'm glad that they have taken, like, legitimate efforts to stop it. Yeah. And I think in, you know, like, 40, at this point, it's just a matter of having to wait for all the old people to die. <laughs> I'm never going and to that's, India. That's, that's pretty much it. Yeah. You know, give it 40, 40 years, 40, 50 years, and it'll be completely different. Still. People, India is not a great place. Maybe if you're a cow, but... I don't even know about that, necessarily. I think in the more urban places, it's exactly like it is in the U.S., just with more brown people. That's literally it. Great. It's when you get to the more rural areas, where it's hard... like, Like, places that legitimately don't have electricity and running water, kind of rural that you start to have these problems hmm. where they either don't care about the law or don't know that the laws have even changed because it's so rural. Like I was reading a story about that, where there's a place in like Northeast India somewhere where some horrific thing was happening. And it's like the headlines for it all. were all like India, India, India. And then some people had to come into the comments and be just like, no, this is a very small, specific group that is completely different from the rest of the country. There's, it, it's, it's deep and complex. Of course. I mean, every there, country is deep and complex. But, right. The government of India is taking positive efforts, even if the people are... Like, there's a lot of the people that can improve individually. Which they won't. No, probably not. Yeah. But I mean, it's the same thing in the U.S., right? Yeah, I mean, if I can like, be honest, a on, bunch of old racist people on Twitter when you tweeted me um, that statement about how people don't want to take responsibility for their actions, right? That is like the realest thing I ever heard like that week. Hmm. Yeah, I don't think it's people. People want to be responsible. If you ask any person ever, you know are you responsible? They're going to say yes for the vast majority, even if they're not because people don't either don't know or don't understand how their actions are irresponsible. Yes. And that's the thing that's really gotten me with this whole coronavirus pandemic in 2020 with 2020 in particular has been really eye opening at how many genuinely dumb people there are out there. It's almost like we have a country that thrives on dumb, though. Yeah. I'm sorry, but that's kind of a thing in America that the dumb are preyed upon way more than they think they are. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, absolutely. People who l- completely lack any sort of self-awareness. Yeah. You know, we have a police system that re- rewards police officers based off arrest and educating people on the laws would... um. Lead officers to, you know, take advantage of that. Um, mm-hmm. The whole 
people not knowing what to put in their body, so they started drinking all these addictive things, smoking these addictive things, eating addictive things, and next thing you know, you got a lifelong customer. Yeah. That was one of the other things I heard this week. Uh, some coalition of scientists posted some, I don't even want to call it a study, some piece of common sense that was basically obesity is still bad. Yes. Obesity is increasing, and governments should take action to try to curb it. And they gave some specific ways that they thought would be good to do that. And for me, like all that is very true, but seeing the number of people in like the comments of that Reddit thread that were talking about how like like from such a, a high position that they stand on as they like because of course it was all bashing the US primarily. Of course. Even though other places have bigger problems with obesity than we do. I guess it's not joke. an American problem. It's a global thing. But, you know, whatever. They're going to bash the U.S. And for me, whenever I hear anybody talk about any, any sort of health thing in general, you know, I, I think the headline of the piece was uh, obesity is the new smoking or something like that. Okay. And it's just like, change this so it's talking about alcohol. Yeah. Change this article so it has drinking alcohol is the you know tobacco of the 20th century or whatever and think about how different the general perception of it would be because you know whether you agree with it or not there's a reason prohibition happened yeah and it's because people don't know how to act responsible when they're drinking alcohol they don't know how to drink responsibly and they don't care to learn but think about how different that comment section would have been particularly from places that are you know not necessarily the U.S., the U.S. and other places. It's a global thing. People would have, you know, people are so quick to criticize other people for, you know, you know, their drug of choice, if you will, without having the self-reflection enough to look at their own vices and think, yeah, maybe we should talk about this in more of, you know, a less look at how bad these people are kind of thing. I don't know. Fuck, dude, we're really heavy this episode. It's just so frustrating to see these kinds of things. I got you. Yeah, dude. No, it's just, this is a heavy episode. <laughs> it gets me. It gets me going. I know. I totally agree with you, especially when you have fucking studies out there. Like, the fact that they found a coalition, like a pretty good, not going to say direct, but a pretty good um, relationship between alcohol and cancer. And people. Right, yes. Yes. And people are all up being like, brusky, I need my booze. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And people don't know how to fucking take care of themselves. Um, they don't. It, it frustrates me a lot because as a fucking kid, I was a beast. And here I am at 23. I'm only six pounds away from not being overweight anymore. So right. thank you, BMI, and education and doing something for yourself. Everybody else should do that. Because let me tell you, it's a fucking fantastic. Ugh. Heavy. Heavy, heavy, heavy. But you're not anymore. Ha. Zing. That's funny. Yeah. Uh, fundamentally, I feel like we don't want to get into a position where, and I hate this term, but we don't want a nanny state. We yeah. don't want to have governments that have to babysit their people because their people are too dumb to make their own decisions. By the same token, we also need to have a government that can 
distribute the right kinds of information and we haven't had it like the u.s has been garbage at this since the bush administration bush two. yeah no because I'll, I'll drink to that like we have specific legislation right now that doesn't let the cdc uh do studies on uh what was, what was it like uh on guns at all yeah the cdc can't have any of its funding go towards gun research or gun violence research nothing at all which is just garbage like we don't want to have the government tell us everything that we can do and can't do but at the same time we still need to be able to get factual information from unbiased sources so that we can make the right decisions nah dude the government's always biased you can't trust them for right. shit let me yeah and then there's people who actually believe that <laughs> And that's what gets me. Like, how are people so, so dumb? Because they don't realize the lapse in logic they're presenting. They don't. They live in a world where they think they're the only sentient creatures on the planet. Everybody else are fucking NPCs. Ugh. Yeah. So, uh, shifting now, I saw this yesterday on Twitter. Apparently, some part. So uh, let me let me check this. See what it is. So, Trump retweeted a video featuring one of Lincoln Park's songs. Oh yeah. That prompted Lincoln Park to issue a statement that, that they do not and have not endorsed Trump nor any nor given any authorization for his organization to use any of their music and they had issued a cease and desist order and i have to respect the hell out of lincoln park for doing this because what a lot of people don't realize is that i don't think in the history of anything ever a political campaign has never gotten very rarely got permission to actually use an artist's music in their rallies and in their campaigns and in their videos yep unless it's like I can't even remember his name now. It's very rare. They just use the music they want without any thought for the copyright or just anything at all. So I respect the hell out of Lincoln Park for actually taking action here and going after it. Within their legal rights as well. Yeah, well within their legal rights. It's almost like they own that. And co-op, I know, sorry. Yeah, no, that's what I'm looking for. Going out and co-opting someone's art for your own purposes is kind of scummy. Mm-hmm. But totally why? I'm, I'm curious, though. Which Linkin Park song did Trump use? Because they're all pretty edgy. Apparently it was In the End. I knew it! Which is particularly edgy. The edgy, edge, edge one. Yes. Yes. God. Imagine going to a Trump rally and then it just says, And in the end, it doesn't even matter. That's a little on 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 point. God, some like actual Karen responded to Lincoln Parks uh, tweeting out of that they had issued the cease and desist with something along the lines of "I don't even know who these people are. Are they some teeny bopper group or some garbage like that?" But they specifically said "teeny bopper," and I think the whole world cringed at that. That was so gross. Like, I, are you sure not that's not mean, ironic? Because that seems almost know. ironic. I have no idea. It didn't seem like it. Like, the way that they phrased it was, like, not a drip of sarcasm. 
God. You know, but I, I know there's people who are stupid enough that even if that sarcasm, there are people who actually believe that. You know, the comment had like fifty thousand likes. I can guarantee at least one of those people is stupid enough to actually believe that. Do you? Did you hear about the Karens discovering Adult Swim? No, I don't think so. Apparently, a group of Karens were petitioning to shut down Adult Swim on Cartoon Network because they said it does, smut like that doesn't belong on TV. <laughs> yeah. I don't doubt it. It doesn't surprise me. I just want to know why are they why are kids up like they can't yeah. say think of the children because kids are supposed to be asleep. That's a hundred percent a parenting thing. Yeah. I feel like people have just been dropped into like the 2000 like tens lately without context of the last 20 years and fucking right. Yeah. You know, at its core, it is not the job of the government to be parents for your kids. Nope. It is the job of the government to find your kids new parents when you fail at doing that. Ouch. Speaking of kids, how about those yeah. schools reopening? So stupid. I fear for my siblings. I legitimately I was, do. Yeah, and people, like, rightfully so. I was overhearing some conversations at work where people were talking about, you know, like, you know, oh, do you think Whitmer's going to issue another quarantine, yada, yada, yada. And, like, if schools reopen, yeah, they're going to have to. Numbers yeah. are going to spike so badly. Because there's a lot like at a certain age like elementary school age kids are young enough that their immune systems are you know so active that they don't really show symptoms for the vast majority of the kids yeah so if your eight seven eight nine year old has covid or has covid on them let's say because it's not like kids don't touch literally everything <laughs> they're gonna be transmitting it to you and everyone else in your family and it's not like kids understand what a the social distancing is. No, of course not. They can't. They're kids. Yeah. Why are you politicizing kids? Whole thing's such a mess. And the idea that I, I don't know. I understand the need for education on these kids. Like you can't just pause their learning ability at this age. No, of course not. But if only we had, you know, government with foresight, they could have actually had contingencies for these sorts of things to continue learning outside of the classroom should a pandemic happen. That you implies that, that we were ready for a pandemic. Yeah, we, we completely weren't no. in any way. I mean, I, I've said this before, but the, the hard answer to this is, you know, you know there's a reason why... There's plenty of people, especially in Asian countries, that are, you know, people have COVID there, and they responded swiftly, and now people don't have COVID, and they can all go about their lives like normal. Yeah. The only way to get rid of it in the U.S. is going to be either to wait for a vaccine, which is going to be at least another year from now, probably closer to a year and a half. Ouch. Or you close down the whole country for three weeks. Three weeks. Three weeks. Three, three weeks. weeks. You tell everybody to stay in your home. Yeah. You severely restrict what it means to be an essential worker. You know, they already gave 
basically every adult in the country $1,200. You could do two grand, call it two grand. That's enough. That should be enough for pretty much every, everyone to get by for the bare minimum of their necessities. You know, I mean, think about it. If your monthly expenses are more than two grand at that point in your life, you probably have enough savings that you're going to be fine. And if they're less than two grand, you're already fine because you're getting two grand. So you're done. You're set. So that's about less than a billion dollars. It's smaller than the bailout for, you know, restaurants and stuff. Yes. You know, so you give everyone two grand, you shut the government, you shut the, shut the U S down for a month with the exception of emergency services. So, you know, essential workers like grocery stores, no, they're closed. Grocery stores close. Everyone goes home and you stay inside for two weeks. You give everyone plenty of prior notice so that there's not a mass panic, you know? It's like, <laughs> it's the, the Joker says, you know, you tell everyone it's going to happen, nobody panics. And it's true. You tell everyone, hey, in two weeks from now, we're going to shut the U.S. down for four weeks. No one's going to panic because they're like, oh, I have two weeks to get what I need. It's fine. You know they would automatically go into a panic at first. They would, but it would go away after like a day because that's longer than the average American's attention span. Ouch. You're not. So you still have a week to do their stuff. Yeah. You know? God. It's it's literally that simple. You just stop everything for the better part of a month. You figure out who has COVID, who you know, who is sick, because more people aren't gonna get sick. And then from there, you isolate and quarantine anybody who has it and anybody who they've come in contact with. The funny thing to all this to me is there are people who are like, it's a 99% like survival rate, which I'll give them that. Maybe 98 at this point because of how many cases. But I don't understand why people can't wrap their brains around the idea that it's yeah, a disease like, that puts you out of commission for two weeks. Yeah. And most yeah, hospitals yeah. cannot have two weeks of people stacking up. Right. There's two huge things here. Like, people say, oh, it's a 99% survival rate. Think about how the U.S. responded to the Twin Towers being attacked. Yeah. You know, that was way less than 1% of the U.S. population dying. Yeah. That's not even 100,000 people. Now we have literal hundreds of thousands of people dying from this, and there's absolute apathy as it goes around. Because, oh... It's not more than 1%. And worse than that, now there's like so many different side effects that people are finding that COVID can cause. You know, breathing problems for the rest of your life is the big one because that's the primary target that it attacks. But you're also going to have heart problems. You can have neurological problems. You know, you're like, what part of the body isn't getting attacked by it at this point? It seems like there's no end to it. And it makes sense, you know? It's almost like it's a disease that hijacks your proteins in your body, and your body yes. needs the time to recover from that, and we still don't know how badly it fucks with your proteins. So messed up. <laughs> oh, my God. Wow. We are... Ugh. What a podcast today. In uh, non-COVID news. Oh, there so, is co- non-COVID news. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. It relates to China, though. <laughs> I don't. I don't think we really talked about this, though. Uh, the new national security law that China is imposing on uh, Hong Kong. 
Okay. So the major part of this new law that is causing problems is the fact that as a part of it, China can now basically extradite any person in Hong Kong, whether they're a Hong Kong national or foreign national, they can extradite them from Hong Kong to mainland China, which means that if you are someone who is, you know, a protester before, if you were arrested, you would still be in Hong Kong. You would be dealt with by, you know, Hong Kong police, you know, even if it's Chinese police, you would have to be left in Hong Kong. And if you were uh, like in the UK, the UK had a long-standing extradition treaty with Hong Kong where if someone commits a crime in Hong Kong and then flees to the UK, the UK will send them back for trial, whether it's a British national or anyone else, they will send them back. And because of this new treaty, uh, not new treaty, uh, national security law, it means that now, if you send someone to Hong Kong, there is nothing that will stop the Chinese government from taking them and sending them to mainland China, where basically, you know, all bets are off. Oh, God. And because of that, there's been a lot of backlash from foreign governments. Of course. Particularly recently, the UK has rescinded its extradition treaty with Hong Kong, effective immediately. And it's, it's so depressing but humorous at the same time to see um, the response by China to these sorts of things. Um, so China has accused the UK government of brutal meddling, insisting that it is committed to upholding international law and that they will promise a resolute response. It's, it's just such, like, we get it. You're... you're a member of the Chinese Communist Party. You don't need to keep talking at that point. You're not going to say anything that's going to change anyone's mind. And it's like... I've said like a lot. I'm, I'm stumbling over my words. No, don't. It Damn really... you vocal pauses. Yeah. Don't feel bad. But, I know. I've. It's one of those things that I've really tried to work on. And I know when I do presentations and stuff, I'm really good at getting rid of them, but... In an unscripted place, it's really hard to not have them. Oh, I, I totally agree. But it's really interesting to see the international response to this, because there's two sides to it. You have the Hong Kong side, where people want to support Hong Kong, but there's also the China side, where because of these sort of actions, Hong Kong gets hit with the crossfire, where you can't really support hong kong when china has this tight of a grip on them without opening yourself up to being attacked in response yeah china is such a mess right now yeah i was re-watching uh the martian a few weeks ago great movie amazing about... movie it's really good matt Damon. the book is just as good as the movie although it's a little bit more technical more dense well i mean the movie's got to appeal to a general audience exactly but both of them are excellent i it's one of those things where i can't help but think about how dated that is with you know the book was written in like like the mid 2010s early 2010s something like that um let me see i want the book not the movie i know that uh 2011 you know 2011 china's perspective the world's perspective of china 
is way different than 2020 and it's really interesting to see how much that's changed where now if you tried to pitch a movie or a book with the idea that the u.s has an astronaut stuck up in space and the only answer to getting them back is to use one of china's space programs rockets to do it it's never gonna happen because there is no international cooperation on any level no it's like wow did this movie get dated fast you just gotta keep pretending it's 2010 dude i guess like i always feel weird about china because they're basically holding their large population as an economic hostage yeah they they definitely are yeah kind of makes me wonder how you know european cs yanks and how our government uses our population I don't know. I do think that that's really interesting, though, because I think for the most part that people are always going to be way more, way quicker to say that, you know, China is holding their population as economic hostages. But I guarantee they never say the same thing about the U.S., even though it's basically the same. Yeah. I mean, we got a large population of consumers and. do. Yeah. Most of our companies are outsourcing all the stuff, so it's all we do is pretty much buy instead of produce. But you're never going to hear a European talk about, you know, U.S. economic hostages. It's always generalized to be the entirety of the U.S. Well, you know, at that point, it's because well, it's more noticeable how we, people economically appeal to China more than they do the U.S. Oh, yeah, for sure. Let's not forget the real... You, you never saw that movie, but you, Rise of Skywalker, right? Yes. There's a lesbian kiss at the very end. It's like that. Like just wait, 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 between who? Between who? Two randos. Just two okay. Two non named characters. <laughs> two women just kiss each other at the end of one shot, easily like half a second, you can edit out of the movie and nothing changes. Right. For the Chinese audience. Right. Yeah. As we all know. Gotta make a China approval. Did you hear about when they tried to do that with Rainbow Six? No, go on. This would have been two, year and a half, two years ago now. They were trying to get Rainbow Six Siege approved for the broader Chinese audience. And a part of that was removing certain iconography that wouldn't necessarily be banned by the CCP, but could be a sticking point that would lead to more problems. One of the notable things in it was any sort of sexualized images and skulls in particular are both not outright banned but they can require your game to get extra scrutiny if they are left in oh my gosh and a lot of companies when they're trying to get you know either a chinese version or adapt their existing product for chinese market particularly in like a movie or video game will remove that sort of iconography if it's in a minimalist aspect in order to just smooth out the process in Rainbow Six, there are uh, one map in particular is like a German drug house sort of a thing, where there's uh, you know like biker gang type paraphernalia all around, and there's an actual strip club as one of the rooms in this building, and you know the strip club of course has sexualized imagery in it because it's a strip club, and one of the major changes that they were doing was they were going to change one of the neon signs in the room which has a 
pretty obvious depiction of uh like a woman's lower half in like neon signs looking like sort of walking towards the strip club they're going to change that to like walking fingers sort of a thing and they're also going to change any of the like spray painted on pictures of skulls in the maps things that are aesthetic cosmetic only and replace them with like people wearing bandanas over their faces and it got huge backlash from the Rainbow Six community because it's like, yeah, we all understand why you're doing this. It's still garbage and you shouldn't do it. And what they ended up doing is they had to build to produce two different builds of the game, one for the Chinese market and one for the rest of the world. And apparently what they ended up doing with that is they changed it so that now the Chinese game version has these different images in it than the rest of the game. Nice. But yeah, they got pretty serious backlash from the community over that because it's just it's like don't don't do that don't give in so easily of course there's just this weird thing where i don't like about a lot of giant media projects right now i say that as like a blanket term for movies games and even music at times um where there's this lowest common denominator they're all trying to approach, and most of that being the Chinese people, um, where nothing feels like it takes takes risk anymore, and right. everything feels like a product to me at times instead of an actual piece of art. Where I watch movies like The Godfather, and I think The Godfather would never come about in today's world. Um, yes. Oh, yeah. Like, there's just mo- these movies, I think, are, that really influence me as a artist creative like music and even games at times that i look at and i'm like yeah this is fucking brilliant i love it and um seeing the stuff that gets pumped out nowadays makes me feel that quite frankly my artistic opinions and ideas and preferences don't matter anymore in Mm -hmm. this world where economic i I call it hyper commercialism at this point right and um it's a really depressing thought to me, but it's definitely an observation I've noticed, especially when um, I think uh, one of my favorite things is the neutering of music as a whole. Um, mm-hmm. Where I'm sorry, but I feel like most music nowadays is trying to go down this predetermined step ladder where um, they have artists' careers mimic other artists just so that when the biopic comes out, it's going to be a guaranteed hit because those biopics from the previous artists were a guaranteed hit. Mm-hmm. I.e. Bohemian Rhapsody and Rocket Man. Yep. I don't mind those movies, but I don't wouldn't call them art or appreciate. I think they were actually made by fans of the actual musicians. I haven't seen either, so I can't say. <sighs> but I do think that they serve to be they're definitely entertainment products much more than they are memorials to those artists. Agreed. Hard agree. Um, well, I don't think there's necessarily anything wrong with that, but it is important to recognize them for what they are. The, the thing that bothers me the most about these kind of Hollywood movies of music as an artist is that they, they feel like commercials for greatest hits albums where right. they literally name the fucking movie after their most popular song. Oh, of course. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry, but did you ever hear about the original script for Bohemian Rhapsody? Uh, no. 
don't think so. It was a movie about Queen, the whole band. Every character right. was going to be the bandmates and not just be about Freddie. Right. Um, it was going to be about the first half of the career with Freddie, and the second half was going to be about after losing Freddie and what it's like to lose such a close personal friend like that, living with his legacy and trying to move on as a band and as um, a group of creatives. Mm-hmm. And when I hear that idea from the movie, I think, that's fucking brilliant. Let's go. Yeah, yeah. But... Freddy sells t-shirts. He does. That's definitely true. Yeah. I don't know. The, this this whole hyper-commercialism just made me very jaded from mainstream art. Mm-hmm. God. I can agree with that. Yeah. Speaking of art, there's no movies anymore. No. I did have something else we can talk about, though. Go ahead. I found this to be really interesting. Uh, There's a thread on Twitter right now started by Bo Anthony Jimenez, who is one of the, I think, lead programmers for Naughty Dog, worked on The Last of Us Part Two. Okay. And he specialized in this thread. He talks about how they specialized the breathing system in the game. And it is really interesting. Like, sound in general... It's a part of video games that not a lot of people think about. Usually they'll talk about the music, and that'll be the extent of it. And there's a lot of games that have done really good stuff with their music, like Destiny, and how they're able to incorporate it into an environment that is constantly changing, and how they're able to transition from dip between different tracks pretty well seamlessly, Yeah, that have been huge strides in sound design. You ever hear about really... um, Pikmin and its interactable mm-hmm. soundtrack? No, I don't think so. So... The main gameplay loop of Pikmin is um, doing objectives throughout the course of a day, which is like 10 minutes. Yeah. So a 10-minute track plays throughout the day. Mm-hmm. Um, and depending on how what you do during that day, they'll add different instruments based off your progress. Or if you've lost a whole bunch of Pikmin, they'll mm. switch it over to a minor key. And nice. The, yeah. So every day the song changes in a different way that it yeah. wasn't played the day before. That's really that, that's a cool way of doing it. Yeah, no, that's brilliant. <laughs> um, what this is talking about is actually from more of a character side of it, not okay. the actual soundtrack, but from the character side of it. And one of the things that I had heard about in the past from a Bungie vlog, where they were talking about how when you have a video game that has you know not just dozens of characters and assets on a screen at once, but ambient noise too. You know, there's birds and animals around spaceships going overhead explosions going off you have to categorize what audio is playing at a given time and from that you know if if you have 12 enemies around you who are all making their standard noise that they make when they do an action you can't have all 12 of them making the same noise at the same time because it would be loud as shit and you wouldn't be able to hear anything it would be overwhelming and they're talking about how they're able to really creatively prioritize things smartly to sort of guide the player to the right action. Huh. Because there's lots of parts in video games, there always has been, that are sort of like cheating in a way, how you know that last little blip of your health is actually more than one blip, and enemies will intentionally miss shots to give you those hero moments where you're on like your last legs and you're trying to get out of a hard situation. Those sorts of things have been around for a long time, and they were talking about how they were able to prioritize the audio directionally so that you could sort of instinctually 
in your mind think where am i being attacked from and it would prioritize the player to go after a specific target that might be of higher priority to the game and like a game level system and it's kind of like cheating in a way because you know this is the one that's actually going to hit you the other 11 aren't will have its audio play louder than the rest or will turn the audio for the rest of them off altogether so that you can only hear that one and that's where your brain's going to prioritize it and that's where you're instinctively going to turn to shoot that's so messed up the really... rest of us though has taken it to another level with okay. their the freedom that naughty dog gave them so and this is a, this is a huge shot it's like 30 tweets long plus discussions after that that he has with other people and for people who are interested in it absolutely go read the whole thing it's Bo anthony jimenez neil Druckmann retweeted it and the whole thing is really fascinating but he talks about murmuration and heart rate and it's the idea of having a constant audio track basically that is constantly playing for each of the characters that is like the background noise for the background noise hmm. so the last of us unlike destiny it has a soundtrack of course but there are moments where you don't have any music playing at all where it's just the ambience of the setting and your character there and they're able to play these murmuration loops what they call it, murmur loops where it is just the character breathing and nothing else and that gives almost like an absolute ambience to the setting where you're hearing, you know, rain falling and animals skittering around in the background, but then when that quiets that quiets down, you still hear something. You hear the character, your character breathing, and that helps bring life into it. Yeah. And from there, they flesh it out onto so many other different levels because they also have a heart rate system. And the game is able to tell what, you know, a character's like heart rate, quote unquote, is based on what they're doing. So if you're just walking around not doing anything that would cause elevated heart rate, it's set at like a one out of 10, say. And breathing is modified to be as low as it possibly can be. It's calm, it's steady, it's you know predictable. Then if you start to run, the heart rate goes up and the breathing changes as the heart rate goes up. So that now the game can detect you're doing something, the heart rate is elevated, the breathing is escalated too. And then they're able to, from that to create tension in the game by sort of tweaking the heart rate in cutscenes so that if something is about to happen and they're trying to build up tension they can turn the character's heart rate up which causes their breathing to start to escalate in a natural organic way so it's not just like one track to the next the breathing actually mod modifies to match the heart rate and then they can sort of like prep for a jump scare sort of a thing where the heart rate builds and builds and builds and then it pays off and they can also do it by, it, there's just like all these systems just meshing together into one is just fascinating. And then it's not just for the character that you're playing as, it's for all the characters and all of the enemies, where they too have their own heart rate levels and murmuration levels and voice levels, so that you know a clicker or one of the infected will have their baseline noise pattern, their noise loop that goes, and then if they, you know, see a glimpse of you it'll spike up for a minute and their audio will change and it's not just visual cues you're relying on now you can now rely on the audio that you're hearing to know that this enemy across the room might have just seen me it's for me at least i find it to be endlessly fascinating that they were able to do this no that's um, incredibly complex and i don't understand where they even got the i have no ideas idea. to begin that but to add another layer onto it 
the other playable character, Abby, in the game has vertigo, extreme vertigo. And if you are at an edge and you start to look down at it, the heart rate meter will slowly start to tick up more and more and more. So the longer you're staring down over this ledge and the bigger that ledge is, the faster her heart rate goes up and the more aggressive and stressed her breathing becomes. That's really cool. And then the last one for it had to do with stealth, where they had actual differences in the audio and in the code between open and closed mouth breathing. So if you're in a stealth posture, but your character has not been detected yet, they have open mouth breathing, and it's louder, of course. And then, based on the game systems, if the character, from your perspective, has line of sight on an enemy, they switch to start closed mouth breathing, which is, like, perfect, because your character can now see that there's someone there and they need to be quieter, and the, the background breathing of the character transitions to make that happen you know it's amazing i don't it, mean it is just truly amazing i don't want to derail too far from this but you have naughty yeah, dog doing something that complex and really interesting yeah. and awesome awesome yes in the name of realism yes and then you have rockstar with the shrinking horse testicles <laughs> from left i know for what's the name of that game again that uh, red, red dead, dead. red dead 2 yes <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. For me, reading through this thread, this is probably the most excited for the PS5 that I've I've ever I haven't been excited for it at all. It's another console, but this genuinely makes me excited for it because the audio systems from like a core design perspective are one of the parts that they're really pushing hard with the PlayStation 5 on the developer side. There's a really good like hour-long piece from one of the lead PS5 devs where they talked about this. And seeing what they're able to do at the upper limits of audio design on the PS4 it makes me excited to see what they're going to be able to do on the PS5 because they've talked about it enough that, you know, it, it, I'm confident at this point that the audio systems are going to be better. And we're getting to that point where visually you can only make a game look so good. And now to see how much work is being put on the other aspects of the game from audio is really cool. That is legitimately amazing. Ugh. That's what I got. That, I'm out of stuff. You're out of stuff. I'm out of stuff. <laughs> You've just been saving this glorious, glorious explanation of these complex audio systems for the end. Yes. That's amazing. And I, I, I skipped over so much there. It's it's worth a read. I'm it's sure. a great thread. I'm sure any game designer should be reading that kind of stuff. They absolutely should be. Oh, my God. For me, though, it's going to be one of those things now where I'm never going to be able to not notice that kind of a thing now. Like... They've raised the bar. They have, at a fundamental level, they have raised the bar for what audio design in a game should be. And I know at some point now, I'm going to be playing some less than at that bar level of game or an old game. And I'm going to notice that. And I'm going to be like, oh, that's kind of disappointing. <laughs> Damn it, Mario. Why can't I hear your heartbeat? Oh, I actually, I've, I've actually I've had that happen to me. And it's so frustrating in Grand Budapest Hotel. Yeah. Um, they mess with the aspect ratio of the screen that they display for you very intentionally. So depending on what year the setting the movie is set in at a given time, the aspect ratio changes. So when you're in like a current year, it's full screen. When you go into the past, it goes to a uh, letterboxed four by three aspect. Okay. And it's very intentional. It's done with purpose, but it's done really well. 
and it makes it for me now where I can't help but notice it in other movies where they suck with their editing. The most recent uh, Mission Impossible movie, I think it's called Fallout, was filmed for a 4K format primarily. But to easier to make adapting it to lower formats easier for certain scenes, they filmed it simultaneously with 4K and standard resolution and then edited them both individually. But it's not like that for the whole movie. So what you get if you're watch if you're watching the 4K version, it's fine. It's perfect. There's no issues with the editing. If you're watching anything less than the 4K version, there are noticeable scenes where black bars appear on the top and the bottom. Oh god. Where they either missed those when they were filming it or they had to crop it. And now that I've noticed it, I can't watch that movie and not be bothered by it. Yeah, I gotcha. No, um, there was a movie yeah. I was watching with my girlfriend the other day, and I don't remember what it was, but there's that unwritten l- rule in editing called, um, you know, I don't know the official name for it, but it's essentially when a character moves a limb outside of the frame and you switch mm-hmm. shot, you have to follow the same direction as the limb that's being moved. So say if you have a camera on me and I stick out my arm right, the next shot, the camera has to be moving right. It's yes. Be- yes. That makes sense. Yes. Body language and, yeah. Yeah. Um, same thing with, like, there was a, like, the way I put it is, the way I discovered this was, there was a guy in his hotel room, can't remember what movie this was, picks up a phone, and you see his arm reach up for to ping the phone to his um, head, and they cut to a closer shot of him. And, of course, in that shot, they're finishing the movement upward with the phone. And Mm -hmm. then he yells at the phone, and then he does the same thing with the phone where he's slamming it onto the ground. And then they go back to the original shot with his hand finishing that motion of going down. Yes. For some unknown reason, I don't remember what movie this was, but I remember screaming out loud when I heard it, when I saw it. Mm -hmm. It was a guy who was doing a punch. And he was doing a punch, and it was, like, right. His arm was going right. So, naturally, I think the other guy is going to be moving the next shot right because he got hit. Yes. No. Instead, they decide to make him go left. And it was, like, (laughs) it pissed me off. It was Mm -hmm. some dumb comedy. I remember it, and I was, like, are these fucking interns? Yeah. I, I completely understand that. Yeah. It makes your film look amateur when you do stuff like that because it is yeah at that point if you're not paying attention to what your peers are doing and learning how to do it yourself to make your own movies better you are an amateur yes you're not an auteur you're an amateur yeah i just i hate it when like i love editing i like film editing i'm really good at Mm -hmm. it um, KHK in college called me the one of the best film editors he's seen in his class. Um, so much so that he used one of my projects to highlight something. I don't fully remember. Um, so when I see bad editing, I cannot tell you how much I groan at it. So bad. Beyond bad. Ugh. Anything else you want to bring I, up? I have found one last thing. Okay. So we were talking a lot about Disney Plus a few weeks back. Yes. 
and how none of the current batches, not batches, none of the current animated Star Wars shows that they have made, the recent ones, compare to the Clone Wars. No, they do not. And it has largely to do with the animation style and how they're catering to the marketability of the franchise rather than the quality of the animation. Okay. Apparently, they are making a legitimate follow-up to the Clone Wars called uh, The Bad Batch, where it follows a, they call it a unique squad of clones that were introduced in the final season of The Clone Wars. And it's going to be getting its own show. Uh, on Disney Plus in 2021, and from a sneak peek that they have of it, it looks like it's the same animation style as the Clone Wars. That's good. It's very good. It's really interesting because they're pulling a lot of the people who have worked on the other uh, Star Wars animated programs, but on the writing side, I think that's really interesting because there's a lot of really good writing concepts in these, what I would call lesser Star Wars animated shows. It's the animation that kills it. So I think it's very interesting and could be something very exciting to see once it does come out. It bothers me that Star Wars, like the sequel movies, didn't go anywhere rating-wise. Yet all these TV shows, which are supposed to be the lesser products to advertise the movies, are going so many different places that are actually fascinating mm-hmm. and interesting. Yeah. Yeah. At this point, the Star Wars sequels are pretty much an airsoft fatty video to me. But um, Tiss, deep internet reference. But that is all I've got. I think I'm at my peak, too. Well, thank you all for joining this patriotic podcast. Uh, I am the Patriot Orion, and I've been a schmo. Comrade Cairo signing off. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Two Schmo Show, ladies and gentlemen. And don't forget to tell us about your ther- and tell your therapist about us, because this was a heavy episode. <laughs> Thank you, man. Have a good night.